You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, episode 188. Guys, right now, today, we are 21 days away. So, uh, you know, look, what's going to be done at four? We might even have pick four. I mean, uh, pick one, pick four, whether the Browns own it, make the selection. Guys, we're going to have those answers tw- uh, 21 days, three weeks from now. We will have those answers. Uh, look, we're going to, you know, just continue with the education process here. As far as, you know, talking about guys, one of my favorite guys in the business we have here this evening from ESPN, seven year NFL veteran. Uh, you know, works uh, you know on the high school circuit out. You know where he's living. Does a fantastic job there. The the program is a powerhouse. Mr. Matt Bowen from ESPN. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's interesting you said that because I had like a serious problem with watching the film. I have to like always watch it. So <laughs> I was watching our first two opponents that we're going to play in high school uh, next year. All top Catholic outside of St. Louis, and then Joliet Catholic, where Mike Allstop played. Um, back in the day in week two I was watching filming them today it's interesting because you know one of the big I think storylines that you'll hear more about as we get closer to training camp especially with quarterbacks like Sam Darnold playing in a spread offense is how high school and college is kind of making its way into the NFL playbooks and I'll tell you what it is I watched spread offense today on a high school tape and if you run that stuff correctly it, it does have a place in the pro game I really believe they see what the Kansas City Chiefs have done a lot with that look at Nick Foles throughout the playoffs and the RPOs that Philadelphia ran even into the Super Bowl, there is a place for that. So when I'm watching this high school film, I'm telling you, it's going to be in the NFL before you know it. A lot of this stuff is making its way there. What it is, is just kids today are just generally more athletic. And, you know, as it goes on, I mean, you know, me and you were a little bit jealous of it, but kids are just more athletic. And, you know, you're going to, you know, you go, you know, I always kind of try to equate it to like the Showtime Lakers. You know, if that's right. what you can do, and you can put 40 points on the board and not give up 40, you know, we see a lot of 41, 34 games, that type of stuff, right. and you see it at the high school level. But you want to know what, though? You know, I remember, you know, on third and seven and, you know, getting sent in as a wide receiver with a play. They're not ready for this. Red 37 toss. They're not ready for this, Coach? We've run this seven times already. What you, all right, fine. <laughs> uh, I'll bring it in. But, you know, you, you the, the coaches are doing it. Because the kids are more into it. The kids have fun with it. They're enjoying it more. And you're going to get more out of them if you make it a two-way street. And, you know, that's you know that's where we're at here now. And you look at some of these high school stats, and it's it's not just a Florida or a California thing anymore where the weather's good. You know, these high school quarterbacks are putting the ball up in the air 20, 30 times even. You know, it's crazy. I remember we, we were lucky we threw 30 passes a month. But, you know, you're keeping right. it interesting, keeping the kids interested, keeping it fresh. Uh, first thing I want to go to here, Browns-wise, though, is uh, Matt. Uh, one of the big moves they made was obviously bringing in Demarius Randall. Uh, you know, Deshaun yeah. Kaiser they moved on for. You know, tough. It was just a tough situation for Kaiser. I think they did the best thing for him. But uh, now Randall's going to come in here. Now, here was a guy in college, was a safety. Spent first part of his NFL career in Green Bay uh, playing cornerback. He's going to go back to the free safety position. How much is put on your plate and how difficult is it when you're moving back and forth or, or do you easily gravitate back towards it or how does that a lot of work out Matt? Uh, I think the hardest uh, transition is from corner to safety for someone that's never played safety before you know that's something we, we hear about all the time well he wants you know when he gets older in his career he's going to move to safety it's not that easy 
okay? Uh, there's different angles for the football. You don't have the protection of the sideline anymore, more open field tackling, more responsibility to communication. That's something that's not talked about enough The secondary players, communication. The top secondaries talk. They always talk. Free snap. Watch them Sundays in the NFL game. They're always talking to each other. With stack, a bunch, free snap, shift, or motion. Guys are adjusting, they're talking, and the safeties lead them. They're the leaders of the secondary. But for someone like Randall who has experience there, I don't think it's going to be as tough as a transition as one might believe. And I'll tell you this. I remember watching him at the senior bowl, okay? And I remember writing in my notes. He's got great range, good vision, takes clean angles. He will hit physical and contact, and he's got coverage ability, okay? Now, obviously, Green Bay tried to transition that to playing corner. He had ups and downs, very competitive, very tough very physical at the line of scrimmage. He's got good ball skills down the field and will fight for the ball. That's the biggest thing with defensive backs. And I know we're going to get into the drafts in a minute here, but I want guys to challenge rounds. I want guys to fight for the football at the point of attack. If you don't have that, and you don't have guys in the secondary that hit and tackle, man, if I'm your coach, you're not going to play for me. You're not. You're not. I have to have guys that are tough, physical, and smart in the secondary. I think that's what Randall is. And then you put him in Greg's defense. Okay, and I know a lot of talk about Greg's defense after last season. They didn't play well. They didn't. They didn't create enough turnovers. They gave up too many big plays. They didn't, weren't efficient enough in the red zone. They weren't efficient enough in third down. Going back to hitting the quarterback, making plays in second. You have to see more of that. But look at what they've done this offseason. The amount of corners they've brought in to create competition at that position. That's one thing Greg always talked about when I played from. The best teams have competition at every single position. And obviously, quarterback's a little different. We know that's not happening in New England or New Orleans, places like that. But for the majority of position players, if you don't have guys battling and competing with each other every day, you're not going to get better as a football team. It's not going to happen. So that's what they've done this offseason so far, this offseason for the draft, through free agency, is rebuilt that secondary and added a guy like Randall, who I think would be a leader for them. I think is a perfect type of player that's going to fit Greg's personality and his demands and what he wants in terms of accountability out of a player. And he can play over the top of that defense. Plus, you know what he can do? He can roll down and cover a slot. You want to blitz the slot corner? Well, guess what? you got to appreciate that he can roll down now. And he's got natural coverage skills to lead because the Green Bay Packers moving the corner, playing Sundays in the NFL. He's got the coverage skills. He's got the ball. So most importantly, he's got the toughness that I would want to say. And the thing that with the corners they brought in, um, every one of them, they're not afraid about getting their noses dirty. And I think that's right. one thing Greg certainly put an emphasis, you know, emphasis on. You know, Jabril Peppers, you know, he can correlate to this type of thing here where if you're going to keep him to the line of scrimmage, he can kind of do everything you need closer to the line of scrimmage. You know, he can cover a back out. He can, you know, he can handle a tight end in a flat. He's not afraid to get his nose dirty. They mismanaged him. You know, and I remember we talked about this a year ago with Jabril Peppers, you know, and, and I even asked him, like, Matt, what do we do here? Here's a guy who's got experience everywhere, but there's only one spot he's looked good. And I even remember you saying, man, look, I'm in the same boat as the rest of you. And, but we all kind of agreed that keeping him close to the line of scrimmage was the best thing to do with him. I hope that is what the plan they have in place for him now. But, I, you, know, and, you know, like you said, look, there's going to be competition because they've got eight, nine guys who are worthy of getting reps in the secondary. But you know, there's only you know only enough seats for enough butts. So you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to shoot show it. You're gonna have to prove it. You know to get those opportunities. Uh, now Matt, you know I did bring you in to talk some D back. But look, we're gonna talk quarterbacks because you know who's got to defend them? The D backs. Uh, it's a really interesting class. 
Um, for me, like everybody, oh, well, this is a down draft class. I, I never get that way. Look, you, you only get one draft class per year. You, you, you know, you find a way to fall in love with it. You know, like when your wife says, I got the clicker, we're watching the movie I want. You want you're going to find the part in it that you can hopefully enjoy. Look, right, first right. Off, you can't say it's a bad draft class if you've got a five quarterbacks that could go round one. That's not a bad draft yeah. class. It's not. Um, obviously, you know, linebacker, secondary, running back. You know, it's turned out to actually, in my opinion, be a pretty good draft class. But look, I'll always tell you, every draft class is good. Uh, you know, I've had everyone kind of make their pitch here for, you know, who should be the top dog in this class. Matt, I know you told, you've been telling me. Baker Mayfield, you're loving what you're saying. I do, because I think he's a fit for the modern pro game. I had this discussion a little while ago. I think it was at Indy at the Combine. And someone said the term pro style. And I said, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean anymore? You know, pro style, when I came out of high school, remember this, I went to, I went to the University of Iowa as a quarterback. Okay, I was a quarterback my freshman year. And we took five and seven step drops, like a straight back, but almost like a DB back. But you remember seeing that stuff on, like, the highlights of the, the 49ers in the 80s. Yep. You know? Uh, you know, and Dan Fouts and stuff like that, man. The game's not played like that anymore. Yes, people still use the 49ers West Coast offense. Philadelphia, Kansas City, we see that all the time. You see that with Coach Nagy here in Chicago. But in my opinion, what the modern pro-style offense is, it's high percentage pass. Mm-hmm. It's a quick game, three-step passing game. It's play pass. It's run pass options. It's movement, whether sprints or boot. It's inside vertical throws. You don't see a lot of true vertical concepts, much more so when I played in the NFL, you saw more vertical concepts on the field, with quarterbacks or pure pocket passers that have got arms that can toss it anywhere on the field. I think now what you're seeing more is the game is evolving to a more athletic position because, again, of high school, where the kids start in high school uh, through the spread offenses, playing more in spread systems in college, and then going to the NFL, and obviously the NFL finally adapting and and moving past that old archaic formula of we're going to take three, five, and seven, seven drops. No, the game's played out of the gun. It is. It doesn't mean the quarterbacks aren't under center. But even when they are under center, you see more play pass, more play pass, the ball's out quick. That's why I looked at Baker. He put 70% of his passes in college. I think he's a guy that can attack tight throwing windows. He's a guy that's good with ball placement. Okay, he can make throws down the field. We've seen that. Go to any of his Oklahoma states. Go throw on Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I watched that earlier this week. You like mm-hmm. offensive football, watch that tape, okay? Like this is taking shots all over the place. He can throw on the move. I think he's tough. And I think he's intangible. And obviously, I'm not in the meeting room with Baker. I was not a practice with him in Norman this year. I'm not in the interviews with the combine. I don't get that privilege. So I was at the senior bowl workout. Okay, when I watch quarterback, the intangibles are very important to me. I was lucky enough to play two years with Brett Favre. And Brett Favre had intangibles that, that I love that I love as a defensive player that I would love as a coach if I was coaching him. It's the toughness, it's the energy they bring to the practice field and to the game field. It's the way guys believe in them as leaders. When, when I was at those senior bowl practices in Mobile, guys gravitated to Baker Mayfield. They did. They just did, okay? And that's a sign of leadership to me. There's different types of leadership. Guys can talk, uh, they can do different things, but for me, it's that. It's how their teammates react to them. Do their teammates follow them? Do they believe in them? In that short amount of time, three practice sessions, guys were working with him. Guys were talking with him. Guys were getting involved with the energy he was bringing to the practice field. I think that's so important in this position. And Brandon, he doesn't have the measurements. We know that. He's not Josh Allen. Josh Allen's 6'5", 240. I get it. Baker Mayfield is six foot, barely six foot. Okay? I understand that. And that's going to drop him down the board a little bit. But I think that the modern fit, 
what NFL coaches are trying to do in terms of offensive play cards and creating matches and giving their quarterback more high percentage throws and creating enough space in that throwing window for the quarterback to light up defenses, that's where he fits. That's not against the other quarterbacks. All the other quarterbacks have, have pro traits and their own set of intangibles and reasons they're going to be first-round picks. I understand that. And I still believe, I still believe that Cleveland's going to take Sam Darnold number one. I believe yeah. that. But I think Baker Mayfield, if we're starting to look at this transition two, three, four years down the line, I think he's going to be a pretty good quarterback that can win a lot of games here because he's going to fit in that system that a lot of teams are going to start following after what Philadelphia did in the playoff run. That makes a ton of sense is the way you brought it up with Philadelphia. Um, I think with Baker, and I, I think the Jets, and it seems more and more the talk comes there, and i got to be honest, I think it's probably it's a really, really good spot because the Jets are always going to play in the same building as the Giants. They're always going to feel like second fiddle, the forgotten child. And this is this is where Baker Mayfield has got himself to. Look, everyone's doubted me for 23 years. I don't care anymore. I'm going to be brash about it. And, you know, this is that's what the Jets need to do. And, you know, they need to look at the Giants and say, hey, look, we were drafting sixth. You were drafting second. You were supposed to win the NFC North. You were supposed to win the NFC East. You know us. Everyone said it was a tank season. You bring in Baker Mayfield to you know what the Jets have done. I think that's a perfect spot there. I think it'll be Sam to Cleveland, just because it's it's more of a a fit of the guy going into Cleveland. Like you know some people you know like you know want to use Josh Rosen's intelligence against him, which is it's just stupid. But you know, I can see Josh Rosen looking at Cleveland and saying, "You guys were one in thirty-one the last two years, but your head coach is still here." Like you know, if this kid is that intelligent, you know, it's probably a thought within his head. Because look, it doesn't make sense to any Cleveland Brown fan and me doing this podcast that he's still there. So imagine what it looks like for a kid like this who's got uber intelligence and that nature. I think Sam comes in as the guy, and look, we saw you know he adjusted to get an earlier flight to go help out. Uh, you know, Ronald Jones and Deontay Burnett today were the second pro day they had because they were injured. He, here's a guy that's putting, you know, he's putting the greater good of the team before the fact that he's the quarterback of the team. And I think that's why Sam is just the perfect fit. He's not going to care what's gone on with Cleveland for the past 20 years, and it's not been pretty. He just wants to come in, he wants to play football, wants to play good football, wants to be responsible for his team winning and being better than they were. And I think, you know, when you look at all these guys and everybody, oh, well, it shouldn't be about this. It should be. Look, you've got to find the right guy that fits what you need. And I do think it, it it's Sam for them. Guys, uh, you know, uh, locked on Major League Baseball. Almost every team's up and running now. Uh, I was giving a nice elbow to my buddy Matt before we started recording. New York Mets 5-1. and one. So, your first place, New York Mets. But, guys, check out Locked on MLB. Anything you need, they got you covered over there. Now, Matt, Saquon Barkley, um... Now, everyone, don't take the running back extremely high, but now we can go back to past three draft classes. Todd Gurley at 10, obviously a home run hit. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, where he went, home run hit as far as what you're getting on the field. Leonard Fournette was not a huge fan of him at four, but Tom Coughlin, who's one guy who's still, you know, we've been talking about modern football, Tom Coughlin still likes some old type of football to, you know, the product he's putting out. And you want to know what? Uh, you know, should have made the Super Bowl, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So obviously Leonard Fournette yeah. more than panned out at four. Saquon Barkley, how high is too high 
for an uber athlete, you've got pretty good production. I know guys are trying to nitpick his game as far as you know the interior. Look, there's going to be, and it's weird to say this, he may see more holes in the interior in the NFL than he saw last year at Penn State because the offensive line was pretty rough. But Saquon Barkley, I mean, he pretty much brings everything you're looking for. And the fact that he's already this established as a receiving threat, pretty incredible prospect. And I think that's the key part of what you just said, the receiving threat. I mean, the running back position now, you're not going to draft a two-down player in the top ten. I'll tell you that right now. He better be a three-down player. better be someone that can impact the passing game. And that's what he brings. Uh, that's what you saw in his Penn State tape. That's what you're going to see in the NFL. He can create matches. He can run a wheel route. He can remove from the formation, burst the flat. He can release in the backfield and run a seam, run an arrow route, run an angle route. Because he does have upper-tier ability in terms of footwork and body control. That's what I see in the tape with, with Barkley. And another thing you see is he brought up home run hitter. It's hard to find a tape where he doesn't bust a big play. I was just watching Fiesta Bowl tape last week. He runs inside zone for 92 yards. Currently, Ohio State, Ohio State game. And, and, and again, people tell me he struggled. Yet he had a kickoff return for a touchdown and a 50-yard run for a touchdown. He's got that instant ability to create field position and create points for you. And, and you look, you know, I'm not huge on combine numbers, but when they jump, you have to look. You ran a 4-4 flat at 233 pounds. Okay? That's a ridiculous time for <laughs> someone with that size and body type. So, is he worth a top 10 fit? Positional value says no, right? We always talk about that. Positional value says no. But if you're looking at someone that can impact your offense, because we've seen how running backs have done that in the NFL and what they can do. David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, guys like that, the great matchups, and can run inside zone, and can run power, and can press the ball to the edge on outside zone. They can do everything you want at the position. Does his vision have to improve a little bit? Sure it does. That's every, that's every running back when he gets the to the big big stage on Sundays. That will come with more reps, more game reps, and practice reps. But in terms of his value as one of the top players in this draft, there's no question about that. There is no question about that. And going back to the start of this discussion, running back, position has changed. Now, Leonard Fournette, you bring up a good point. Leonard Fournette's a fit for that system. He's a perfect fit for that system in Jacksonville. When they want to use double type, when they want to run off that, when they want to give him 20, 25 touches a game downhill. That fits his style. But for the majority of the NFL, that running back is a matchup piece. It's another matchup piece that is forcing defenses to find defensive backs like a Jabril Peppers who can match those guys out of the backfield. Because if you don't, you can line up against Barkley, you don't have the guy that can match him, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Because it can take five-yard out route and turn up field and go. So I do believe he has that value of a top-ten player. Now, where does he go? What would Cleveland take him? What does Cleveland do if Chubb's still on the board? Because that's what I'm most interested about. What do they do if Chubb's still on the board there? It's another pass rusher to pair with Miles Garrett. Because then you're talking about rebuilding a secondary and having two bookend pass rushers. That's another discussion to have there as well. Or do they go defensive back? What if they have a huge grade on Minka Fitzpatrick? They add yet another defensive back, another chess piece for Greg Williams to pair with the real peppers, and they have Randall over the top. There's a lot of different ways they can go. I think it's a great position to be in based on what they've done through free agency and trades to already bolster the roster to be in this position. I think they're doing excellent things to make them a much more competitive football team. That's all you want. You don't want guarantees to win how many games. It doesn't matter. 
can you be competitive on, on, on Sunday? That's all that matters. Can you be competitive with Pittsburgh? That's how I would look at it if I was running the Browns right now. Can we be competitive and beat Pittsburgh's good? That's how I'm going to build this route. Exactly. And the one thing, uh, everybody goes back to the Ohio State game. And the thing that kind of kills me about that is Penn State was in that game. They had four downs to close it out to actually try to you know, take the lead, win the game, and not one of those plays involves Saquon Barkley. It, what right. if one game involved him, one play involved him, and you want to know what? It would have turned the game drastically different, and you know everyone would have felt different about that game. So it, it's kind of interesting you know, the way that works out. And look, I mean, there's a spot for him. I think Tampa Bay, I think Jameis Winston, you know, with his ups and downs, I think if you're going to give him something like Saquon Barkley, where there's a consistent guy that can do things with 20-plus you know, touches of the ball of the game, I think Tampa is probably the perfect spot for him. Sure, Saquon would probably like to go a little bit higher. But you know, Cleveland, I think the only problem there with Cleveland is, is you already have a fantastic receiving running back with Duke Johnson. So you know, right. you know, are you pushing one guy out to bring one guy in? Maybe that's not the way you go. But at Tampa, I think it's just absolutely a perfect spot for him. You know, does he deserve to go seventh? Probably not. But if he does end up going seven, uh, Tampa can't turn something like that away. Now you brought up Minka Fitzpatrick, Matt. And now here the thing is with Minka. And look, I'm always going to back and Matt, me the Jersey guy, having a Gazeki in this draft, having a Minka in this draft, having a Quentin Nelson this in, in this draft from my alma mater at Red Bank Catholic. It's fantastic that New Jersey is heavy in this draft. I'm loving every minute of it. But it seems like uh, seems like Minka is taking a little bit of a, a little bit of a, just a, a drop here in his stock. I think everybody just you know they want to play the well. If he's an elite safety, can we make him a corner? And then you know he tested, and there were other corners who tested better. Me personally, look, you know if the guy's really good where he's at, let's not get too crazy here. This isn't Madden. Let's not shift him to another position. But it seems now like almost like the the tide has turned, and Derwin James, who him and Micah Fitzpatrick, you know, a couple of years ago were both considered ridiculously good talents. Now where Derwin right. Derwin James is a little bit more valued. And Minka now maybe is getting some question marks. Well, I think Derwin James is more valuable because of the athletic traits and the upside. That's what the first round of the NFL draft is about. And, and if you look at the testing, that you brought up the testing numbers on, on Minka, he doesn't have top 10 testing numbers. He doesn't. I mean, you look at his vertical and his broad. He ran a 4-4-6. Four, four, it was a good time. It's a good time. But he, he, the top 10 is usually based on unique athletic traits outside of the quarterback position. And that's just how it is. And Derwin James, uh, I can understand why he's moving up because he can be an immediate impact player for it. Now, system fit, I would love to see Derwin James in a cover three system where he can play the curl, buzz, buzz to the curl, buzz to the flat, play top down as an underneath defender, blitz off the edge, be an eighth guy in the run box. He could be an impact player for it because his athletic traits and his measurables are ridiculous. They really are. And he pops on film. There's no doubt he pops on film. You turn on a Florida State film, your eyes go to him. That's what they do. And if I'm a scout, that's what I want to see, right? I want to turn on the film, my eyes go to him. It doesn't mean he's making every play. I just want to see him move and see his movement skills, his athleticism, his lateral change of direction, and his ability to close in the football and drop his pads on people. That's what I want to say to this. And make it a little different. I think make it a matchup safe. I would call him a slot safety. I do not like him at corner. If I'm a DB coach, I'm not putting Minka Fitzpatrick at corner. I'm making him my slot safety. 
I want him to be the next Tyron Matthew. That's what I want. I want him a guy that can do a ton of things for me. So that gives me an advantage when I start setting my game plan on Monday morning and then give it to the players on Wednesday morning. And they're and now we're prepared and ready to go because now I can play Minka at slot. I can play him at free. I can play him at strong. I can play him at dime or nickel linebacker. Okay, I can do all those things. But I want him inside the numbers. I think that's where he's going to be most impactful. I think he's going to give you the most production. He's an excellent blitzer. People say, oh, he run, ran untouched off the edge. Now, you know how many times I ran untouched off the edge and did not get a sack? I'll tell you a quick story. Quick story that not many people know. I'm embarrassed myself, and I'm going to tell you anyway. I ran untouched off the edge. Monday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys in 2000, 2005. Great defense. Remember the call. It was Scorpion 77 dime. That was untouched. Quarterback is Benny Testaverde. Untouched. Oh, God. Benny Testaverde, Benny Testaverde stiff on me into the ground. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I got you know, Benny's a big dude. A well, big at least dude. he didn't juke and you, Matt. At least he didn't juke you. No, he did. So I got up. <laughs> And, you know, Benny didn't have a lot of a lot of short area quickness. So at that stage of his career, I got up and, and Benny threw the ball out of bounds. And um, so I, I got a ball disruption because I chased him down. He got up and chased him down. But uh, I, I pulled my hip flexor from the play. And I was so scared to tell anybody that I got hurt because it was, you know, it, it wasn't like I was coming in and Mike, Mike Vick shook me and I got hurt. You know, that happened. <laughs> it wasn't my pick. It was Benny Testaverde. So I was afraid to tell anyone on the sideline that I got hurt. Because they're going to say, well, what happened? Say, well, Benny Testaverde stiff-armed me into the ground. And, uh, you know, I didn't tell anyone. So I made it through the rest of the game, started getting treatment, just made up a story I heard it covering a kick. So no one would know. But um, my point is, blitzing is not that easy. It's not. It's not that easy. you got to attack the backfield shoulders. You can try to spin out, right? You try to step up, and you have an angle to come back downhill. But it's, there's traits involved in blitzing the quarterback. There always has been traits involved. The timing, your angle, and your pass to the quarterback, and your ability to finish, your ability to create disruptions. I think he'd be a very disruptive player if you play him the right way. And my hope is the team doesn't take him and stick him outside a corner. So I think his hips are a little tight all right, to play corner. I really believe that. That doesn't mean he doesn't have the ball skills, the toughness. He has everything. Here's nothing about Menka. I told you before the show, I'm doing some stuff for SEC Network now. Then I talked to some people down in Tuscaloosa leading up to the Alabama Pro Day show. And every single one of them told me this about Mika. He's an A-plus kid. His character is outstanding. His game prep is outstanding. His preparation in the weight room is outstanding. He's a true leader. He's a character guy. He's someone that's going to be, help you build a winning culture. One, because he's coming from Bama and he's coached the right way. He's going to have pro-level technique. They run a pro-level system down there at Bama. A lot of adjustments, a lot of checks. Okay, so I think he is pro-ready. And in terms of pure football players, I think he's one of the best pure football players in this class. Again, doesn't mean he has the traits of Derwin James. The athletic measurables, the speed. Maybe not as much playmaking ability as Derwin James might have. But in terms of making your football team better and bringing a winning culture and leadership to your team, that's very important to me, especially if I'm a coach. That's very important to me, that I get the right guys in the room. The right guys that are very coachable, the guys that can make their own corrections, the guys that can develop based off those corrections and those coach techniques. But again, it goes back to where you plan. For me, it's got to be inside the numbers. Whether it's single high or roll down, that's why I want him. Because I think that's where he's going to make the greatest impact and allow you now to have the upper hand as a defense. To say, look, you got Saquon Barkley, 
I got Mika Fitzpatrick. Let's go. Let's see who wins. Let's see who wins. I trust my guy too. Yeah, but the thing with uh, Namika is actually his high school coach actually lives in town here, the same town as I do here in New Jersey, and I actually got mm -hmm. to sit down with him the other day for uh, got about ten minutes on him, and he, he he told him, and it was like March of Minka's senior year, and he's like, look, uh, if you want to do something stupid and maybe get a detention, now's the time, um, because it's not going to work for you where you're headed when you're going to Alabama in the future you got in front of you, don't do anything stupid when you get down there. Because it's going to be held against you. So you need to get something out of your system, bro. Get it out now. <laughs> and now this is the same guy who coached Will Hill, who had all the talent in the world. And obviously, you know, Will Hill been out of the league for years. And it was just, right. you know, he's like, well, if, you know, if one is white and one is black, you know, would, however you want to label it, you know, that's the way it worked. But Minka Fitzpatrick, he's like, he's like I got to tell you, he's, he, by far, what a, the nicest child, nicest kid I've ever had play for me. So, you know, you want both ends of it. You want a guy you can trust the you know the 20 hours a day that he's not around you and the guy that's going to give you every drop that he's got when he's in for film when he's in for practice and things like that so you know make it maybe Wait, slip it up go ahead you know what i was going to bring up is what i think is interesting too well two things one is that make a play is a true freshman at Bama, which is very hard to do to understand nick Saban's defense and be able to allow yourself to be coached by nick Saban, which is not easy okay because he coaches like a pro level coach a lot of demand a lot of accountability. The other thing is that people are going to start labeling him as a, as a tweener, right? And that was a negative word when I came out. Uh, yep. Back in 2000. Well, never want to be a the appropriate word now, yeah. Matt, is hybrid. Right, hybrid. <laughs> now, but that, but that, that's my point. Yep. Is it's been it's been turned into a positive because those guys have more value for you now. We just talked about bark, catch the ball, run the ball, return kicks. The, the, the more you can do, the more valuable you are. That's always been the way in football. If you're a defensive back and you can cover kicks, you're going to play seven, eight years in the league. But now, in terms of matchup ability and game plan ability and what you're going to put in that Sunday call sheet, you got to have guys that can do multiple things for you. Multiple things. And that's why I look at Minka, and that's why I brought up what I hope the comp will be in a couple of years is Tyron Matt is someone that just impacts your defense so much because they are that chess piece for you. No, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, he checks those boxes, you know, I mean, it, and the thing is, is, you know, oh, you know, some of the things, well, he didn't test as the greatest athlete, but, it, you know, some of it is, well, I mean, it, the guy didn't run a 4-5-8. I mean, he was still sub 4-5. Right. I mean, so, I mean, sometimes we're well, just that, kind of... That's, that's an interesting point. And, and, you know, I bring up, you know, I coach at IC Catholic Prep here in Chicago, and... I bring up my players all the time. I said, why well, run a 4-4? I'm looking like, a 4-4? You don't run a 4-4. You don't. You're a high school kid. Do people realize that if you run a 4-5, you can move. <laughs> you can really <laughs> move. Means. All right, Josh Jackson. You know, you know I love my hawk. Josh Jackson ran a 4-5-6 the combine. Came back last week and a half, though, ran a 4-5-2 in his pro day. That's a fast time for him, and that fits his skill set. 4-5-2, you're moving. Four four six, you're really moving. You're really moving. Now it's not, you know, it's not uh, sub four four. Now sub four four is blades and speed. That's track. Speed. Okay, that's track. Speed. That's pure track. Speed. But you run in the mid four fours, the safety. You got plenty enough speed. And then here's the other thing about playing the safety position. I've always said, you can have a guy that runs a four five four, four five five, and play safety because it's your football intelligence or your football IQ. 
your angles to the ball, your ability to read the quarterback, your ability to identify, identify formation personnel, down the distance, game situation. That stuff all gets you a jump on the football. All of it does. So that guy who runs a 4-5-5, guess what? Now he's running a 4-4-8 on Sunday. His game speed is that much better. And you get that with experience, understanding film, understanding your personnel. Once you start playing in the league and you see your division opponents, Twice every year, you know what guys do. You know what their strengths are, the weaknesses are. You know what it means when they're plus three on top of the numbers or minus three. You know what it means. You know what route is coming. You're going to play fast. Okay? So with make that a 4-4-6, once he starts playing more in the NFL, that's going to be down to a 4 4 That's how he's going to play on tape. Because, you know, he brings the intelligence. He's got the football IQ. Guys, if you're listening through the megaphone link, I appreciate it. You know, whether it's Spotify, whether it's iTunes, guys, go ahead, subscribe there, leave the five-star review. Appreciate you all for being so kind about that, uh, Matt. One, uh, I got one more, and then a, and then a fun one before we let you go. Uh, I was on a show last night, and uh, you know they asked me the Brown's perspective. You know, I, you know, as far as you know, mock draft wise, I told them Sam Darnold at one, and then I kind of raised some eyebrows at four. You know, look, if I can move four, I'm certainly considering it. If I can, because I can probably get a whole four in a quarterback heavy draft, but for this purpose, it was to stay there, and. For the Browns and what they need, I said I'm going to take Harold Landry before I take Bradley Chubb just because I need I, I need a second dynamic pass rusher. And it's not a knock on Bradley Chubb. I think he's going to be a fantastic, functional 4-3 D end. He'll produce in the run game. He'll produce in, the, you know, produce in pass rush. But if I'm basing this on pure pass rush... And a lot of guys, you know, kind of let this slip by. And I know we've talked about this. You go back and you watch some Harold Landry from 2016. You know, it, it, there's some Lawrence Taylor stuff. And he can play the run because he's going to run it down from behind. But, I mean, just an animal. Animal as far as a pass rusher. His first step off the ball is electric in the 2016 tape. You and I talked about the Florida State tape from 2016. You want to see what type of player he can be watching against Florida State. Watch him come off the ball, especially at the end of the half. He had two sacks in the last, in the, you know, two-minute drill against Florida State. He comes off the ball, the first one, he could bend. He could bend on the end. He's got a natural bend. He's a natural athlete coming off the edge. The next two snaps later, Florida State brings the tight over to Chip. Tight end over to Chip, right? He beats the tight end and he beats the tackle. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's so fast off the ball. Game is about speed. The quicker you get off the ball, the more you force that offensive tackle to get back on his heels. When an offensive tackle is back on your heel, doesn't matter if you're a blitzing safety or if you're Harold Landry. Harold Landry. Now you own him. You own him. You do whatever you want to. You can convert speed of power and tip him over. You can attack him on the edge. You can stem upfield and dip underneath and take the inside path before. But you own him. That starts with speed. It starts with speed. You want to get that big boy back in the field, you've got to get off the ball with speed. And that's what he brings. And that tape is phenomenal. The 2016 tape is phenomenal. Now, you're starting to hear reports that he was, you know, he banged up a little this year. That happens. He football. Guys get banged up. Still played throughout the entire season. But I think if you want a true look at what he brings, go to 2016, you're going to see people start using the comp of Vic Beasley because that's what he looks like coming yep. off the edge. That athletic linebacker that can stand up, too. Can stand up, like you said, and play the run. Pursuit of the football. I, even in that Florida, Florida State tape, and they throw wide receiver screens. He runs the football. Mm-hmm. He runs the football. Okay. And he's going to play at 4-5 speed off the edge. Again, 
a defensive end slash outside linebacker that runs a 4-5 is absolutely flying. It is amazing speed. Amazing speed. Yeah, so and for me, what do they do? What they do that at four? I don't, I, I don't know, Jeff. I don't, I don't know. That's pretty high. It's pretty high based on where, uh, you know, what we're hearing right now. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying. If there's, is there that much difference between him and Chubb as a pass rusher? Now Chubb against the run, I think it would be stronger and tougher on the edge. I do believe that. I do believe that just because the size and what he, what his tape shows at NC State. But in terms of proof, true pass rushing ability. And getting off the football, Landry's first step is as good as anyone in this track. Well, the reason There's one I, more name I wanted to bring up to you. So, oh, you and did. I want to, uh, okay, well, he, well yeah. I'm, I'm going to give you my th- thinking here. My thinking is, is okay. I'm not start. You know, Bradley Chubb. I don't need a second defensive end for first and ten. Emmanuel Ogbob was playing on an old. He was playing at a Pro Bowl level. Was probably the defensive MVP for this team as a defensive end last year before he got hurt. So I'm bringing Bradley, Bradley Chubb in for second and long. He's coming in for third and long. I mean, uh, I'm bringing in, obviously, you know Harold Landry. He's coming in as a pure pass rusher. He doesn't really necessarily have to play on first and ten. That wasn't the Browns' issue. The Browns' issue was second and long and third down when they couldn't generate a pass rush because they didn't have enough quality, enough cover guys, and you can't ask Miles Garrett. Look, as great as Miles Garrett is, he can't do it alone. So, you know, if I what I want to add is the best pass rusher in this draft, which is why I kind of went with Landry. But go ahead. If you got a third day, man, I'm all ears, Matt. You know that. I will. I'll get to that. You, know, you brought up something that reminds me. This is what Greg Williams used to say to us. Um, if your listeners out there, I played for Greg uh, in Washington um, back in the day. I'm old now. but uh, We all are, Matt. Greg, yeah, Greg said this. If you want to win pro football games, you have to protect your quarterback and you can't give up the deep ball. That's what he always used to tell us. Okay, so if you're talking about adding another pass rusher, what they've done in the secondary to prevent giving up the deep ball and now hitting the quarterback, that's a, that team's recipe for winning. It always has. Can you attack the quarterback and put hits in the quarterback and can you protect over the top and take the football away in the secondary? And the reason I'm going to bring up this name is because I believe this. And obviously I played in the secondary, I coached now at the high school level. The secondary should dictate the flow of every football game. Okay, I honestly believe that. Speed, physicality, and attacking the football. They should dictate the flow and the outcome, really, of every football game. If you don't have a secondary that hits, you don't have a secondary that attacks the football, you're not going to win many many games. What about Denzel Ward out of Ohio State? Interesting. Interesting. Okay, and I know know what you've added. I know what you've added in Cleveland during free agency, but I'm saying... No, they say, the, the thing is, they still need a dog there. They, they, I don't know if there's necessarily a cornerback one in this group. I'm a little bit more of a Jairi Alexander guy, but... I know you Denzel, are. Know. Oh, he's fun. He's fun, but go ahead. He is fun, and he plays with a swagger, too. And, and I like Which is that. what a team I like, like Cleveland I needs. Like they need, they need like some that. swagger guys. He's not going to come in. He don't care that this team is 1-31. But go ahead. So Denzel Ward, because I know the Browns fans want to hear about a Buckeye. Uh, well, I love his technique. Okay, he uses what's called a, uh, uh, an inch off or a taxi. Some coaches call it a taxi technique or a shuffle scoop. It's very hard. One, it's very hard to teach. Okay? And then what, what it is, when you stay square at the line of scrimmage, you're lined and press, and you shuffle off. And that's hard to do. Okay? And what you're doing by with this technique is that's allowing you to keep your shoulder square. When your shoulders are square as a defensive back, you are in control. So 
too often. Why do DBs get, get beat? Because they get late and they open and run, right? I'm going to open and run when I'm starting back. You know how hard that is to do against 4 3, 4 4 speed? It's really hard to do. You're going to open and run against Julio Jones? Good luck, man. <laughs> Good luck. Okay? I want defensive backs going to challenge relief. Okay? That's why if you look at the corners they've, they've brought in Cleveland, guys that have man coverage ability, right? They're going to challenge the line of scrimmage. You have to do that to win now, Jeff. You have to. You're going to play man coverage. Don't, don't give me corners seven, eight yards off the ball. Yes, you're going to see some of that from Greg, especially when they blitz. They'll have his corners. He calls it a flat foot reef. And they'll sit at seven, eight yards. They'll sit there. Why? Because if you throw the slant, you break downhill. And if one, you don't get the ball, and two, you make the wide receiver pay for it and separate him from the football. That's a good technique in blitz man. When you're playing straight man coverage, get up in the face of wide receivers and challenge them. Challenge them. Let them know that it's your space, too. And to do that, you have to have your shoulders square. So get back to Ward. I see this technique all the time. I take it's very, like I said, very hard to teach, very hard to execute. He's mastered that. That's allowed him to be very sticky in coverage. Very sticky. I think he can high point the football. The only downside is, is what people are going to say is this side, right? This side. How is this side going to be in that matchup on the 50-50 throw versus Julio Jones? I get that. What we're forgetting is you ran a 4-3-2-40. And the 10-yard split is in the 1-4s. Once you understand how fast that is, that's amazing. That means he's getting the 10 yards in under 1.5 seconds. That is flying. He can click and close or transition on the football. It just pops in the film. I think he's an excellent corner. I do. I think he's an excellent corner. I'm curious to see. Because if you have to, I wanted to bring this up. If you look back at Greg's draft and all the places he's been, he's got... If you go back and look at his teams, a lot of defensive players that are high drafted. High drafted. So Greg has an opinion that's heard. Let's put it that way. Opinion that's heard. And if you look back at his past draft classes, a lot of defensive players. Saw it last year. Saw it last year in Cleveland. So I'm not saying that that's the route they're going to go, especially at the free agency, but I look at another name there that could be a possibility. And that's the first one that jumps out if it's not. You know, if they, if they go quarterback and one and pass on Barkley, that's the name I would look at. Yeah, well, that's where I come up with the, you know, I will sell for. If, if look, if Buffalo's going to call me and I can walk out with 12 and 22, I don't think I'm going to get Ward. There's a possibility right. I could walk out with Landry and Jairi Alexander, and I'm going to be a stoked, stoked guy. But it'll be interesting the way it plays out. Now, here's one before we let you go, Matt. Uh, you, what's it like to hold an interception? against the guy who's eating avocado ice cream, still playing quarterback <laughs> at the highest of levels at the age he is. And look, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what the guy is doing, but God freaking bless Tom Brady. I've gotten to the point where, you know, look, the inner Jet fan at me hated him forever. But look, he just can't anymore. It's just ridiculous with what he's doing. But uh, you got that notch in your belt, don't you, Matt? I do. I don't have many interceptions. I only thing when when last year we were, we were talking about a defense back like only had five picks I'm like man I had four picks in seven years <laughs> I'm telling you five picks in a season is a lot but uh, I did pick off Tom Brady when I was playing with Green Bay uh, and it's a great story we'll, we went up there and we had so many guys banged up we were signing people off the street to not dress to play that's who played in the secondary <laughs> bring guys off the street and we went up there and beat them in New England and I remember the play it was the Deion Branch 15 yard dig run I understand. Here's a quick thing for you. One I learned 
I'm going to have to be a Outside of the three-step key, okay, so slant, hitch, a quick out, speed out, whatever you want to call it. Every route breaks between 12 and 15 yards. That's just where it happens to You run a curl route, they start chopping the feet at 12. You know, in a dig route, it's between 12 and 15 yards. If it's not at 15 yards, Jeff, you better turn and run. That means it runs out of field. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't turn and run, you're going to hear the fight song. It's going to be a touchdown over your head. But I was sitting on the dig route, okay, and I saw Branch chop his feet, and we were playing cover two, and I came down a hill on So I'm, you know, playing top down, cover two. And I'm not going to lie to you, the ball did get tipped a little bit, but they had this picture in USA Today, and it, and it looked like I grabbed it with one hand. So when anyone sees that picture now, I'm like, yeah, I just that stuck a hand out like OBJ and caught it. <laughs> but it was really a tip pass, but it was my first career interception, too. It was my first career interception. I remember that. I still have the football. It's in my office right now. In my mm. office right now. Nice. That's and, one the boys uh, aren't allowed to touch. No. Now, that one's up, up, up a little higher now. They used to throw, <laughs> but now that they're bigger, like we talk about, I have four boys. Uh, that thing will get eaten up in the backyard pretty quickly. So, yeah, but I did pick off Tom Brady. That and, uh, you know, with draft, we drafted right by each other. I was picking yep. the 198. Tom, Tom was 199, same draft price. Because I was, remember, I remember, I was, in the draft, it, it was different back then. And I liked it better back then. The Saturday rounds one to three, Sunday rounds four to seven. Yep. And I didn't expect to go on the first day of the draft, but I expected to go earlier on the second day. You know, maybe late fourth, something like that. I was hoping. And at the worst, early fifth, you know, the clock keeps ticking. No one's calling. I was pacing around my parents' house in, you know, suburban Chicago waiting for a phone call. And I finally got a phone call from Coach Martz in St. Louis Rams at 198. And I remember, you know, the draft moves fast. I remember looking oh back my God, and yeah. showing, showing the pick and it said, Tom Brady. I said, there's Tom Brady from Michigan. Obviously, I played against Brady in college. Beat me on a slant route for a touchdown. The Ty Streets, you remember that name, Ty Streets. Yep. Played in the league for a long time. Chicago kid. And, uh, yeah, Tom beat me. We were in cover zero. But that's another story for another day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did pick off Tom Brady. Long time ago. Long time ago. Nah, it was a good story. And look, I mean, that's a great story to have. And, and you know, look, the memories you got, that's got to be one. Look, for me, that's one I probably go back to every time. I'm feeling a little down. I'm going to take a look at that bowl and make sure. But, guys, uh, we're going to put a bow on this. But uh, I can't thank Matt enough. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, follow Matt. Uh, you know, you know, follow him on Twitter at Matt Bowen. His work at ESPN, it's it's ridiculously good for years now. It's got to be four or five years. He's been one of my favorite guys to follow. I appreciate that, Matt. Anybody who's listening, what do you got in store here? Obviously, you know, uh, I, I know, uh, you know, tell them where your plans are for the draft, but what, what, what can guys be looking out for here for the next three weeks for me? Well, I got a couple pieces coming up. Uh, I got a piece coming out uh, about a week and a half on Lamar Jackson. I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan uh, because I played against Michael Vick quite a bit in the NFL. I lost to Michael Vick in the playoff game when we were at home in Green Bay. First playoff loss yep. ever at Lambeau Field. Um, and we lost because of Michael Vick. We really mm-hmm. did. We couldn't defend him. We could not defend him. We by the middle of the second quarter, we, we had to stop playing man coverage because if Vic broke contained, he was gone. Mm-hmm. It was snowing. And we were sliding around the field, and he was not. So I know how much Lamar Jackson can impact the game. But go, you, you're a big Florida State fan. Look what Lamar Jackson did that long run against Florida State this year when he pulled the ball down. Mm-hmm. He got down to like the plus five yard line. It's not just the quarterback runs. I think you'll see the quarterback run slow down quite a bit in the NFL. It doesn't mean you can run outside zone read, but. 
inside quarterback power and stuff like that, unless you have the frame of Cam Newton, that puts your quarterback in a compromised position versus NFL linebackers. But in terms of what he brings to your offense, the electric ability, the athleticism, you don't see that. You don't. I know Marcus Mariota is a phenomenal athlete. You know, Marcus ran a 4-5-2-40. I think if Lamar Jackson would have run, it would have been sub-4-4 based on this game film. That's what I believe. I think he has some proof. I think he has some proof. When he misses on throws, you look at his feet. Look at his feet. Sometimes his base is too narrow. Sometimes he locks that front leg. These are things that are correctable from coaching to reps. Do I think he's ready to play year one? No, probably not. But do I think if you get him in the right system and you really coach him and you really teach him, it's going to take a coach who wants to teach. I would love to be in that position. And that's a dream position as a coach, to work with an athlete of that level of ability. Because there are plays in the film when you look at his, his throws and it looks so natural. He's got natural arm count. He played the system at Louisville that runs pro-style routes. The same routes you're going to see on Sunday. Okay? And the quarterback runs, they will be a weapon. When do you use them? Third and two to six. Inside the plus 10-yard line. I use them all the time. Because he's, including his straight line speed, he's got amazing body control. Amazing body control. It's unbelievable. Not to, I'm not talking about just shaking defenders. You know he can do that. It's how he slips off tackles. That's body control. That's natural. You can't teach that. He's got some things that are such high level. You just need to work more on his overall game. I think you can have a dynamic player that will be so hard to defend. So yeah. hard. Because I'm the defense coordinator. There's things, Jeff, I can't do. I can't do. Because I'll tell you right now. You play blitz man against him, and you blitz, and you don't get home, or you leave the edge open, lights out. It is lights out. Your defensive backs run down the field with their backs to the quarterback, and no help for them. And he runs the sub four forty, and he got great vision in the open field as a runner too. So I'm gonna have a piece of Lamar Jackson. Why I would draft him? Some team fits I like, which I'm still working on right now. I like one in Buffalo. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. I really like New England. I really like San Diego, too. There's a lot of good fits for him that he can go and not have to be thrown onto the field immediately. He can actually work on his game. Because you look at the NFL structure right now, and it's completely different, Jeff, than when I play. Completely different. We would report at the end of March. Okay, we would already been in the facility for three, four weeks already. We'd have what's called quarterback school. We'd be out in the field almost every other day. During OTAs and mini camps, those are bad. I'm not saying there were, there were people going to the ground, but you were allowed to use your hands. Allowed to play press coverage. Allowed to get after each other. No, we had two of them. So there's much more time, I thought, for younger players to develop. Much more time. But now that's all been reduced. So you take a young quarterback and expect to throw him on the field and, and, and want immediate results? Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? How is that supposed to happen? Every mm-hmm. once in a while we see it, but most of the time, we don't see it. You guys went through it last year with Kaiser, okay? Because Kaiser could be a good football player. He's only, what, 21, 22 years old, Jeff? 22. He's got a long time left. He's got a long time left. Obviously, it didn't work out for him. He's in a tough situation. But again, put him in the field, probably too early, okay? A little underdeveloped in certain areas of the game. Now he gets that opportunity to develop. Unfortunately, he's got to leave and do it in a different spot. But I think his career will be much better than people are saying right now. Give him time. Give him time. Let's see what he does with his next opportunity. Okay, but my point of all this is is that you throw these young kids on the field. And look, Jeff, I'm a big believer in game reps. Practice reps are one thing. If you really want to prove, you got to play. You have to play and you have to make mistakes. 
but it's different than talking about a linebacker who makes a mistake, whether it's making making uh, a late read or shooting the wrong gap. That doesn't get you beat. When you have a quarterback that throws 20-plus interceptions, that doesn't get you beat. So it's your beat is to get people fired. Okay? So, with Lamar, I'm looking at situations where he does not throw into that. Cleveland's going to have a great situation for their rookie quarterback, whether it's Sam Darnold or Rosen or Allen or wherever they go for Baker Mayfield, because they got Tyrod. They got they can build a system around Tyrod this year, be competitive and win football games, not have to throw, let's say, Sam Darnold on the field in week one. And say, well, you know, you got three quarters in the preseason. Good luck. <laughs> you know, exactly. it's, it's, it's very hard to do. It's very hard to do because you're not practicing twice a day. You're not having scrimmages. We used to have scrimmages, too. We have joint practices. You were on the field all the time. And I understand. I understand why the players didn't want that because it does beat you up. I think it did shorten careers. There's no doubt about it. But in terms of quality of football and being prepared to play the game of football, we had all these reps all these opportunities to compete because you don't have as many of those anymore and I think it's hurting quarterback play also what's hurting quarterback play is what we talked about at the beginning of the show archaic coaches archaic coaches will say you're going to well, I'm going to fit you in my system Are you kidding me no that's not how you coach no. it's never been how you coach you take your system adapt it to your personnel that's what you do we do it at the high school level we do it at the high school level okay so that has to be done too with every quarterback, whether it's Baker, whether it's Lamar, whether it's Josh Allen, you better develop the system around them if you want to have a job and you want to win football games. Here's, I've always said this, Here's the first thing I would do as a quarterback. Um, the minute we drafted them, and when they showed up for whatever you call it, rookie school or OTAs, I'd bring them into the office and I'd say, well, what are your favorite five routes? If it was Sam Darnold, what are your favorite five routes from USC? Draw them up for me. Okay, we'll put them in our playbook. First thing we're doing. Okay. Those of you, is that what you're most comfortable at? Okay, now here are my routes. Here are my routes. Let's look at the playbook. Let's go through them in OTA. What do you like? What do you dislike? You don't like this? So I've been running this for 10 years. I don't care. We'll get rid of it. It might have been good for the last quarterback and the quarterback I coached five years ago, but it's not good enough for you. It doesn't make you comfortable. If you're not comfortable, you can't have success. And I can't coach you. I can't make you better. I can't. Unless you're in a system that fits your abilities that makes you comfortable. That's what this is all about. And I think the NFL has struggled with that so much because of how different the college game has become. How different the high school game has become. Alright, so it's time for the NFL. We're seeing more of it, Jeff. The NFL is doing a better job of it, like the examples we brought up before. But, with this group of quarterbacks and this class, you know, Sam Darnold's not coming from a pro-style system. And USC doesn't mean they don't run pro routes. It's really a spread system. Okay, so that needs to be incorporated in your game prep, in your practice schedule, in your OTAs, in your mini camp, especially during training camp. And that better be part of your playbook if you want the kid to succeed. Well, I'm talking a lot here. Yeah, no, but that's one of the things because we've actually brought this up a couple times on the show. When like we've heard guys talk about, oh, you know, well the rookie quarterback struggled. So in the offseason, before his second year, we sat down with him and said, well, what were you comfortable with in college? No, get in front of it. You know, start it yeah. early. And, and look, I mean, especially when you're talking quarterback, because look, the quarterback is, everybody's job's on the line based on the quarterback. So as opposed to the old regard of the NFL front office, we're, you know, we do what we do, you're the quarterback, you run what we tell you. 
you know, be more humble about it because look, he's going to stick around longer than the guy who drafted him or the head coach who didn't win with him. So, it, you know, it, you need the adaptation, and that's why, you know, guys like Sean McVay are such a, a, a treat to have in the NFL. And hopefully, more teams will either say, look, I want more guys like him, or you guys need to change as opposed to the retreads. But we are going to put a bow on this. Matt, I appreciate you so much. Uh, guys, like I said, follow, you know, at the Twitter, at Matt, you know, uh, at Matt Bowen. All his work on ESPN, it's fantastic. We'll be covering the draft for SEC Network. Follow the show at Locked On Browns, guys. Follow a follow back account. Best way for you guys to help me and let me know what you want to hear. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, guys, look, you know, twenty. Uh, now we're almost twenty days away. Uh, breathe, everybody. Patience. Uh, every quarterback's going to come in here. I don't want everybody get excited that a quarterback's coming into Berea to visit. They're bringing in all five of them. They want to do their due diligence, which you better when you're holding pick one. And as an organization, it's been screwed up for years as for the guy you're drafting. So make sure you absolutely cross every T and dot every I. But until tomorrow, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Let's go Browns.